this industry, it's a trillion dollar industry. It's very saturated. A lot of people go to the same places, but there's so many other beautiful places and best kept mm-hmm. secrets that a lot of people don't know about. And that's primarily our goal is to show, go to these places or curate these experiences that not your average traveler will go or do. Um, secondly, it's also just to show God's creations, man. Like traveling is really therapeutic. It's my therapy, you know, and like really kudos to a lot of people within our generation are seeking therapy and things like that now for various needs because, you know, mental health is just at the highest. But for me, my therapy is traveling. You know, and like every time I take a trip, you know, it allows me to just take my mind off what I'm dealing with back at home. And like, I'm a really big on, I'm a beach guy. So I love being in the ocean. And like, whenever I'm in the ocean, man, I'm literally talking to God the entire time, you know, because it's just like, yo, wow, like you really made this, you know, and like, it's so many people that need to experience and not take it for granted, you know? So showing people what he has created is one of the, the big things. And I consider this as like ministry of travel. You know, not only just showing people a great time um, and not being serious all the time, but, you know, opportunity to witness, the opportunity to evangelize, but also have a good time, too. And I think that, that having those type of focuses is really what has built my mm-hmm. community. Um, one thing that really, you know, everybody have marketing and you could do um, promotion, things like that. But really builds, so really, what's really growing my company is the word of mouth and people who experience a peculiar travel trip. Um, recently, I just got back from Mexico and there was about four guests on that trip that trip marked their second or third trip with my company, you know, and that's all based off that first experience, you know, and like I'm a man of few words. I know I'm talking a lot now, but I'm really a man of few words. So when I'm advertising or promoting my brand, I'm not like, well, this is what we do. All I say is, Sign up, go, and I guarantee you it will change your life. And like literally, like I have a community of 150 travelers who been on trips, several trips. Uh, if they haven't been on the trip, they're posting, reposting the flyers. So I think that's what that having that in, that in person experience is really what's driving uh, my company and really changing lives because what I'm doing is not being done on mm-hmm. on a travel level. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Nigenius Genius Podcast. We hope that your weekend was blessed. Today, we got a special treat for you. We got our brother, Larif Ham, in the house from Peculiar Travel. Um, what's up, man? How are you doing, bro? What's up, fellas? Thank you for the opportunity. Doing well. Yeah, we're super blessed and grateful for you to make the time because we've been trying to do this podcast for months now. We know you're yeah. a busy, busy guy. Yeah. The yeah. timing is everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, so we like to start with people's origin story, get to know them on a personal basis before you were, uh, you know, the owner, CEO of your own business. And, you know, even before you were, you know, working corporate, like, who were you growing up? Who were you? Uh, in, uh, what were some of the pivot moments within your upbringing and what led you to get you to where you are today? Absolutely. Before I go into that, I first want to thank you, um, Jesse and Josh and Not A Genius Podcast team for inviting me uh, for this for this conversation. Um, so I was born and raised from Chester, in Chester, Pennsylvania, which is located 10 minutes south of Philadelphia, um, which is an urban city. Um, Chester, Pennsylvania, in the media, um, tend to have a, a negative as um, negative connotation or negative you know nature because of the killings and the crimes. Mm-hmm. But we know that happens anywhere within our within our country. Um, but one thing I really love about my city is that it really 
from that upbringing, it really birthed like a lot of legends and allowed us to really work, focus on hard work and, you know, being a cheap achievement despite of our environment or our habitat. So I'm the youngest of three. I have two older sisters. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to terrorize them because I was <laughs> envious of their relationship and I wanted a big brother. But unfortunately, you know, my parents, they stopped after me. So um, kind of gave them hell, for lack of better words, growing up. But as I got older and grew mature, it strengthened our siblingship and, and bond as as um, brother and sisters. Um, I grew up um, in a city, well, on the west side of the town, which is like, I would say, the nicer side of Chester uh, with my mom and dad, who are um, happily married for 41 years now. Wow. So, and one of the big things that were really, was really um, pivotal, pivotal, pivotal in our upbringing was education. Um, my mom and dad did not complete college, but that didn't stop us from us to go to college. So we would go to school, do spend what, seven, eight hours in school. And then we would come home to more school. So my dad was doing timetables, sentence structures. And at the time, like, what is this all about? Like, I'm going to go play basketball with my friends, but didn't understand it then. But it really helped us as we all graduated from college. And we even moved forward to become master's degrees. And then my sister's actually got a PhD. So um, growing up, it was definitely tough being in an environment where there was so much negativity. But thankfully for our parents, yeah, get, keeping that positive hat, you know, and keeping that positive focus allowed us to be the successful individual we are today. It's awesome. So how much impact did growing up, you know, in Chester have on you and like what were the different uh, groups in which you were surrounded by? How did those things make an impact? Can you talk about like the dynamic of growing up within the city, but also having parents that were really involved in your life? Definitely, because I had a lot of friends who unfortunately grew up with one parent household. You know, they didn't have a dad in the, in the that can, you know, my friends, my male friends did not have a dad that can teach them how to be a man, how to be a gentleman, what the correct etiquette is. And I also had um, female friends who grew up without a mom, so didn't really know the things or what it takes to be a woman. Um, so that but the, the, the beautiful thing about that is that my dad and my mom was able to take on my friends who didn't have that two person household to give them that guidance. So. I think that my upbringing and my family, the impact was more so on a positive, positive mm -hmm. note. And that's that was the, a, a big thing that really was um, gratifying for me to be able to allow my family to take on people who aren't even their biological you know, responsibility. You know, and I think that that really was allowed to down and have an impact and make a change in their lives, um, despite of the negative and the crime and the killings that was prevalent during the time growing up. Um, and I think another thing that my parents really instilled in us is not to be easily pressured. You know, you live in a society where, you know, peer pressure is, is alive and well at a young age. You know, someone's doing something bad. You're going to get bullied to do something that's wrong. And that's one thing that we didn't really, you know, fall prey to, you know. So there was something that was wrong. I wasn't doing it. My sisters mm -hmm. wasn't doing it because I knew what the principles that my parents had instilled in us. And. With that, you know, of course, if I didn't do the bad thing, then of course I got talked about. But you know, when you can, when you know who you are as a person, like all of that doesn't even matter. So that would really kind of help me be that diamond in the rough growing up, and also be a light to my peers. Mm. 
Would you be able to speak about some of the principles that your parents raised you on? Definitely. Uh, one, faith. You know, my parents are really um, big on um, growing up in the church, but also teaching us to have how to have a personal relationship, mm-hmm. you know, with God. Um, secondly, is to um, always be humble. You know, there's a lot of people, even even today, and a lot of people just are not humble. You know, a lot of people have a lot of pride. Um, they have a lot of they have a lot of characteristics that don't really identify them their true selves. Um, so I think that I'm thankful for my parents for teaching us about how to pray, uh, how to be humble, how to be respectful as well too. That's huge, um, and also to make sure that we achieve anything that we set our minds to do. Um, one thing our parents never, they didn't force us to do a lot of stuff. They kind of gave us that kind of authority to say, all right, this is what you want to do, do that. Mm-hmm. But we always had their support. So the answer to your question, definitely, you know, faith, humility, being respectful and being supportive, achieving our goals were some of the principles we built on growing up. Yeah, that's amazing. So I was looking through. Well, everything you got. First of all, <laughs> first of all, bro, your Instagram is so fire. Oh, thanks, man. Dude, like, I don't know how you don't have more followers. For real, bro. Everyone follow this man. Yeah. Dude, like the uh, the one picture with the seagulls. That's everybody's <laughs> favorite, man. I was in um, Istanbul, Turkey. Uh-huh. And actually, that story, I was actually on a 20-hour layover in Istanbul coming from Dubai and whenever I travel, I always connect with different um, photographers. And we actually did that shoot on um, in Istanbul downtown on a place called Rooftop Galanta. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the top, you know, there's the seagulls. And what's, what's disguised them to kind of fly while I was doing the video, the pictures of the video? They're actually feeding them like chicken. Oh, okay. okay. Like food to get that effect. So um, some people, when they looked at the picture, they thought that it was fake birds. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was very much real. I don't know if you guys seen the real that I did. Yeah, as dude. Well. So it's funny because I looked at it and then I was like, "This has got to be fake." But then I saw the real with that like totally actual real, video of the birds, and I was like, "Oh wow!" And I was not, I was not nervous. Uh, I just wanted to get the shot, and um, Saeed was my photographer, slash videographer. Knocked out the part. We did that entire shoot in like 20 minutes and like nailed it. So that's actually my most talked about reel (laughs) on my Instagram page. That's sick. (laughs) Bro, that's such a great idea. I'm just like, whenever I go travel in the future with like my friends or family, I'm going to go hire a photographer who's like local, who got the vibe, you know? For sure. For sure. That's a great idea. I'm like, this is a fun thing to do. This is like not a regular activity. You know, you just pull out of Google search, you know? Right. It's awesome. Google search as well as I have a lot of friends who are in the travel industry as well too who have used utilized certain photographers and videographers. So they've kind of been resourceful as well too. Like the person Saeed that did the shoot in Turkey, a friend of mine actually um, gave me his contact information. Mm-hmm. So, but if you ever want to have some type of travel content or need a photographer in those places where I've been, just let me know. Awesome. Damn. So, wait, is that dude from Istanbul? He is. Yeah. Okay. Born and raised. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. So was that your only time ever there? It was okay. so my first time there. I was actually ending a four country tour. Wow. So I started out in Egypt, then I went to Nairobi, Kenya, then to Dubai, stop over in Istanbul, and then back to the U.S. Yeah. So by far my best, probably my best travel experience to date. 
Dude, I mean, the picture of the pyramid, too, that was crazy. Bro, that was awesome. And that was shot off an iPhone. Really? Dude, iPhone is just so good nowadays. Like, iPhone 14? It was an iPhone, the 12 Pro Max. Okay, okay. So prior to that, I had just, I upgraded the phone before that trip because I had like a, I think I had a tent. Like it was, I said, I needed three, I'm sorry. You're good. I said, I needed three lenses on the back, right? So, but when I was looking at the photographer there, he, for the actual Canon photo shoot, he wanted about $600. And I was mm. just like, but he, I'm like, I'm not paying $600 for a shoot. $600? $600 for a one hour photo shoot just with the professional camera. Yeah, sure. So, but he also offered an iPhone photography package, which was like $120. So I was just like, it's, totally it's a no brainer. Totally different. Bro, what? You still gain the skill. Exactly. This so, makes no sense. Yep. So his name was, uh, what was his name? Uh, Slits my mind, but gave him my phone. We did the, the, uh, we were in Cairo, so we saw the Great Sphinx, and all of that footage I shot there was on my iPhone. And like again, like all hits, no misses. Dang, that's such a hack. You just get somebody to use your iPhone, yeah, and get the most upgraded iPhone. All of a sudden, you can get like, you know, three times the value. Totally, yeah, bomb. And he also edited the pictures like on my phone as well. Like, it was <laughs> it was crazy. Yep. So one hundred twenty dollars. I saw. Dang. Yeah. That's all. So I was looking through it, um, and then I, I went to your website, and I saw the R story, and um, I saw that you said the company was preserved. I think the wording you used was like preserved by God um, through like a tough time from 2017 to 2019, yes. and then that's when you were working at Northrop Grumman, right? Yes. Would you be able to kind of talk about that? Absolutely, man. I'm gonna try to do this without without crying um, because this is one of those one of those stories. So back in 20 September 2017, to be exact, I was living in Maryland at the time. I actually was just started with Northern Grumman. So this is what that month looked like. So I, prior to that, I was working for the Department of IT as an IT procurement specialist. And usually, you know, people transition to a new job. They take, they usually start the very next day. They'll take off maybe a couple of days and they go right back to it. Mm -hmm. So I said, no, I'm going to take off two weeks, you know, take a little break. I had a, plan, a trip planned to Los Angeles. I was going to Los Angeles, Vegas, and I was going to come back and start Northern Grumman. Mm -hmm. That first week of me, my first, of my first, first week of my uh, two week vacation, went to the gym, came home and I... Came off from the gym, had a uh, protein shake, and I dealt with this pain that sat in the center of my chest. And it was like belching. So I'm like, you know, maybe it's some type of like, you know, gas. So I tried Pepto-Bismol, tried Gas-X. It just was not working. So the pain did not subside. It lasted for like 24 hours. So I said, you know, I need to go reach out to a gastrologist and kind of see if there's some type of stomach ulcers because something's not right. You know, never in a million years think at the age of 31, I'll have to see a GI doctor. So I went to see a GI doctor, got an upper endoscopy done where they checked for ulcers. Procedure was done. They found nothing. They said, Mr. Ham, everything is fine. I said, well, doc, like, I'm not fine. Like, I said, I'm dealing with this excruciating pain in my chest. I can't eat food. Like, something's wrong. And he was just like, well, Mr. Ham, we got the biopsy back. Everything's normal. I said, you know, so I challenged him. I said, what would you do if I was your son? Like, if your son was dealing with the pain that I'm dealing with, what would you do? Would you go the extra mile? Would you go get a second opinion? It's crickets. He had no response. So um, I left there, went to see another person in his practice. 
he took the results from the first endoscopy and they found some inflammation on my esophagus, which the first doctor did not share. So at this point, he was like, we're going to give you some medicine, try to you know see what we can do to help you out. They gave me this medicine. I was basically a guinea pig trying this medicine that they were just hoping that it would cure this pain that I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. This pain, this pill, the pills that I, the medicine that I took left me in extremely drowsy. I could not even function at work because I was so exhausted from the medicine I had to take to the point where I stopped taking the medicine. I said, you know, doctor, I've been on this for three weeks. It's not working. And at that point, you know, I became very angry um, naturally and spiritually. And like, well, God, like, God, you're taking away the very thing because I couldn't eat food, um, the food that I love to do. So wow. I love to eat. So I'm like, you're taking away the very thing that I love to eat and enjoy and what I need to survive. And I'm a foodie. Like, so if we go out to eat, Jesse or Josh, y'all like have some leftover wings. I'm going to eat it because like, I'm just that type of guy. Like, so not be able to have that luxury to eat for two years was very, very, very um, challenging to say the least. So during that process, I'm just like, you know, I started to see different doctors, got blood work done, got um, different types of procedures done, like uh, ultrasounds. Everything's coming back normal. So my prayer to God was, uh, please at least reveal or get to the root cause of what's, what my issue is. But after a while, doctors couldn't figure it out. I said, God, please heal what the doctors cannot name because I'm me. I can't even. I can count. I don't have enough hands to count how many times I've seen doctors and just did not get a diagnosis of what my issue was. So it came to the point where you know the spiritual side kicked in. I said, you know, clearly there's something. There's a reason why I'm going through this this valley, like through this storm, and. From the within the first year, I dropped from 165 pounds to 138. Wow! Because my diet was like cream of wheat and like soup, anything heavy and hearty, I could not eat because it would leave me in this great pain that sat in the center of my chest. So I never forget my 31st birth, 32nd birthday. Uh, me and my best friend, we went to Thailand to celebrate my birthday. This was 2019. And I was at my my lowest, like my lowest physically, mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just looked sick. Like I had a six pack that I didn't even work for. You know, it was just <laughs> wow. one of those things that I just it, obtained because I could not eat, you know, and I didn't like how I physically look. Even though people say, Reef, you don't look bad. To me, like I know what I look like. This just doesn't look good, you know, but it was beyond my control. And during that birthday, I said, you know, I'll never forget in my Facebook caption. I said, my last two years have been by far the worst years of my life. And I said, I believe God that before my next birthday come the following year, that God is going to heal my body, you know? So, and sometimes, you know, we want to see God to do things. We got to decree it and put it in the atmosphere, you know, and have that faith to see it before it actually, we actually see it. Mm-hmm. So this was 2018. Um, that next March in my prayer time, God was, you know, visiting me, said, you know, in order for you to get your healing, you got to move back home, home meaning Chester. And at the time I had a pretty, pretty dope setup in Maryland. Like I was working, I was living at a house where my old boss from my first job, she left about a month after me being enrolled, but she was such an amazing manager. I wanted to be my mentor. So she came my mentor and she kind of took me under her wing. So she had left my job to work for North, not North program, I work for Microsoft, um, making crazy bread, you know? So (laughs) 
her, her and her husband had a house in Annapolis that they did not want to sell because it was sentimental value to her husband. So they said, hey, we're about to move to California. Uh, we want to allow you to stay in our house and watch the house while we're going free of charge. So wow. if you guys don't know, Annapolis is a very expensive, old money city, you know? So in the rancher that I lived in, it was a sauna. It had a jacuzzi, like the <laughs> works. I was just living a life, you know, for free, you know? So back to my point, I say, you know, God, I, I hear you. you want me to move back home, but I got a pretty, pretty sweet setup right now. And I didn't, I wasn't. I did so quick with the move. So about a month later, he visited me again and said, if you don't move back to Chester, like what you're dealing with is going to be permanent. So at that point, I said, you know what? I got to move back. So I moved back home, shared it with my parents, what I was dealing with. Mind you, I'm not even planning a travel company throughout all of this. Like mm-hmm. I'm traveling, but never had the desire that I would be birthing my own company. So I moved back home June 2019, told my family I had to mm-hmm. move back. Still dealing with this pain, but during that time, that's when I would start sketching out my travel company. At the time, I didn't have the name either. So August, August of that beginning of August, you know, when I'm about to file the paperwork, the only thing that was missing was the name. So I said, you know, what I'm dealing with physically and health wise is a peculiar situation. Like it's different than the norm. The doctors can't figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. So I made a vow to God. I said, God, if I name this company Peculiar Travel, I will allow what I'm dealing with to be the foundation of my company. And that throughout the existence of Peculiar Travel, that at some point while I'm traveling the world, sharing people about the miracle or healing you're going to have for me uh, over my life. And at that time, I didn't have this healing. Like I'm still dealing with this pain. Mm. So August came, I filed for LLC, got status that I was official LLC, August 25th, 2019. I never forget, I got the email and I'm literally like bawling, crying, thanking, praising God. Like, you know, this is, we're one step closer, but I'm still dealing with this pain. Right. So oh, literally a week later, September 5th to be exact, man. I went to eat some, I felt a little good. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to eat some chicken fingers and fries, but I was always hesitant because any food that I would eat, it would leave me in pain. But I think, I said, I'm going to eat this food. I should be okay. Still nervous. Ate the food. Pain was gone. Instantly. So when you look at it from a from a spiritual perspective, like, you know, and I believe, like I said, not giving the enemy any credit. I think sometimes before God gives us the desires of our heart, we have to go through like a suffering period, you know? And like, God was like, Hey, Larif, I know you love traveling so much and it's your passion. Like I'm before I give you this blessing of a company and, and hold you accountable for it. I have to take you through this situation, which led me to uh, where I am right now. So ever since then, like to this day, have a guy diagnosis. So people ask like, what happened? I said, it was a healing from God, like in every sense of the word. And it's really been like, I have seen, uh, my company has just went to another level since that healing came, you know, and that's really it has it has encouraged me physically. It has my faith on steroids. I always believed in God, but like after, you know, having that healing on my body, I'm just like, yo, like this is really God. I trust you with everything, which is why I quit my job, you know, because like you can work this miracle. And it's one thing when people talk about healing and we do believe God to be a healer. But man, it hits so different when he actually do it for you, 
you know, so to be able to come on the other side of that and using utilizing this as an opportunity to testify, you know, to others about it, like it definitely has greatly enriched my life and really is the reason why peculiar travel is skyrocketing the way that it is. So what does that look like when you're sharing your story to all the people whom, you know, come on board as clients or people whom you meet overseas? Like, how do, how do you go about sharing this testimony that you are? you know, on fire for God and how he's changed your life and healed you? Great question, man. So I'll give you another example. So after my healing came September 5th, that next week, I went to a music festival in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a metal music festival, a lot of R&B artists. And I connected with one, linked up with one of my travel buddies. His name is Dan. So we got together and I was telling him about what I was dealing with. But we was talking about just like, we wasn't, the beginning of our conversation wasn't spiritual, but it kind of just segued mm-hmm. into it. So, like, when sharing this testimony, I'm not walking around like, yo, let me tell you what God did. It's like, it's always opportunity. It's always like a, it's just a smooth transition topic about it. So, when with Dan, we're talking about it. At the time, I would, did not tell Dan that I had an actual company. And I just told him what I was dealing with health-wise. Never even mentioned the word Procuria either. So, after I shared him what I was dealing with, his exact words to me was just like, whoa, Reef, like, that's real peculiar. That was exactly what he called And that's no cap. And that's no, it's all truth. And so when he said it, I was puzzled because I'm like, in my head, I'm not want to mention anything about Travel Company, the name at all. But that was God's start. That was the first out of confirmation that I went through that for a reason. Like, nobody just says peculiar. Nobody just says that word. They'll say different. But for him to say that, and I never forget, I told him, Dan, in your notes, write down this, what you just told me, the date and the time. And I said, it might not make sense now, but it will a couple months later when I launched the company. Um, and then when I launched the company in December 2019, he called me. It's like, whoa, it all makes sense because he went back to the conversation that we had. But the fast forward, whenever you know I'm hosting these, these curated trips, there's a point in time where I'm either giving a welcome or you know, find a remarks. And that's my time to... Um, be that, share that testimony, you know? And I honestly, the, the Bible says we're overcome by the words of our testimony. And when I share what I dealt with to so many people, it, it encourages them. What they even say, well, Reef, I never knew you was dealing with that, you know? But it was just like, thank you for not letting go and thank you for holding on. And then there's also individuals who have made, felt open to share with me what they have dealt with health-wise based off what I dealt with too. So, um, gotta be sensitive to when you are sharing because everybody's not going to be receptive to everybody's testimony. Some people don't want to hear it, you know, but I thankful for like discernment and knowing the right time when to share it, mm-hmm. um, which is a form of evangelism. Hmm. Dang. Just got to take it in, bro. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. That's amazing though, that it ended up like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, man, I will tell you guys, be honest. That was the worst thing I've dealt with in my life. Yeah. Like to be in pain for two years that you can't even like, man, that you can't even have no control over. Mm -hmm. Like it was, there were times where, you know, I dealt with thoughts of like suicide, thoughts of depression, because I just was like, God, I don't even want to be here no more because like this was a pain that just, I could not, I didn't think I could bear it, but he knew I can bear it. And and it was it was really like in my circle of friends, I'm the type of person everybody look at to like I'm the one I holding everybody up. Mm-hmm. So we got this nickname, they call me, they call me King. So like 
Because every time something's wrong, they run to Reef. Like, Reef, I'm dealing with this. Pray for me. Or, and I, But it felt so good to have my circle be, um, be, be their strongest in my weakness, in my mm. weakest, weakest period of my life. And that really, if it was not for them, and I'm going to shout them out as Kristen, um, Joe, Chanel, Jaira, like those four was the one that really held me up through that period of time. And that really took our uh, friendship and relationship to another level because it's one thing you can have friends that celebrate your wins, but it's totally different when you have friends that really are, you know, with you in the struggle, you know? And if I had not had them, you know, to be, you know, checking on me and calling me, like, I don't think I still be here to this day, to be honest, man, because like that was, and I was living in Maryland alone by myself. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you're alone, that's not the best place. It's not the best thing when you're dealing with something, you know, I'm in a house by myself. And every time I got to a point where I wanted to, you know, thought to do something that will, you know, hurt myself or just ready to throw in a towel, like it will be somebody that will come send me a call or a text message. And I use that as a way of God just saying, yo, I know what you, I know what you're dealing with is like, you, you hate it, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I got you. And, um, and I, that really would kept me going, man. I'm just thankful that I didn't let go. Yeah. Cause we wouldn't be here this day. Yeah. Praise God. So using your business, most people who own businesses, they generally, you know, they got a mission, uh, a purpose, a vision, something they want to accomplish in their lifetime. And whether it's to help people or to give to people something, uh, was wondering what's your mission, purpose, and vision when it comes to peculiar travel. So the first, the purpose of peculiar travel, what we do is to kind of share with the, with the viewers is we are... Uh, Black-owned travel creation company. We specialize in travel planning experiences that set you apart from other travelers and experiences. As I kind of shared to you earlier, what I dealt with health-wise was something that nobody had experienced or dealt with. So when it connected it to travel, like this industry, it's a trillion-dollar industry. It's very saturated. A lot of people go to the same places, but there's so many other beautiful places and best-kept mm-hmm. secrets that a lot of people don't know about. And that's primarily our goal is to show, go to these places or curate these experiences that not your average traveler will go or do. Um, secondly, it's also just to show God's creations, man. Like traveling is really therapeutic. It's my therapy, you know, and like really kudos to a lot of people within our generation are seeking therapy and things like that now for various needs because, you know, mental health is just at the highest. But for me, my therapy is traveling. You know, and like every time I take a trip, you know, it allows me to just take my mind off what I'm dealing with back at home. And like, I'm a really big on, I'm a beach guy. So I love being in the ocean. And like, whenever I'm in the ocean, man, I'm literally talking to God the entire time, you know, because it's just like, yo, wow, like you really made this, you know, and like, it's so many people that need to experience and not take it for granted, you know? So showing people what he has created is one of the, the big things. And I consider this as like ministry of travel. You know, not only just showing people a great time um, and not being serious all the time, but, you know, opportunity to witness, the opportunity to evangelize, but also have a good time, too. And I think that that having those type of focuses is really what has built my Mm -hmm. community. Um, One thing that really, you know, everybody have marketing and you could do um, promotion, things like that. But really builds, really what's really growing my company is the word of mouth and people who experience a peculiar travel trip. Um, recently, I just got back from Mexico and there was about four guests on that trip that trip marked their second or third 
trip with my company, you know, and that's all based off that first experience, you know, and like I'm a man of few words. I know I'm talking a lot now, but I'm really a man of few words. So when I'm advertising or promoting my brand, I'm not like, well, this is what we do. All I say is sign up, go, and I guarantee you it will change your life. And like literally, like I have a community of 150 travelers who been on trips, several trips. Uh, if they haven't been on the trip, they're posting, reposting the flyers. So I think that's what that having that in, that in person experience is really what's driving uh, my company and really changing lives because what I'm doing is not being done on mm. a, on a travel level. Mm. That's sick, man. So what are some of the next moves you're looking to make? So I have one more trip coming up in November. My my um, I have a trip called Black Ice and Ice and Experience for the Culture. And while we're there, that's considered like my culture immersion trip. So we do the the infamous Blue Lagoon and we see some of um, Mexi- Mexico's, Iceland's, <laughs> I'm thinking about Mexico, Iceland's most beautiful waterfalls. And then we also um, do different type of themed events too. So we'll have like a waffle mixer. Uh, we do a farewell dinner party at one of the popular um, downtown restaurants in Reykjavik. So that's next to close out this year. But Pekir Travel turns five next year. So we celebrate our fifth anniversary next year. So I won't share too much. I'm in the planning stages for that right now. But super, super excited about next year. And I'll be able to introduce like some um some new programs and initiatives as well, too. Hmm. So how do you balance working and traveling like at the amount of travel you do? Well, thankfully my contract job is remote. You know, so that kind of helps out a lot too. Um, but I'm really big on like scheduling, like scheduling. I'm a planner. So I plan everything out to the T by the hour and I try my best to really stick by that too. So that's what really keeps my balance. Uh, mm-hmm. I think will also help with that is my upbringing. You know, my mom was always on a schedule, you know, so bed at this time, shower at this time, you got to get up this time to eat your breakfast. Don't forget your back. So we always would grew up around being in a, in a structured setting if you're being whatever your your hap your I will say habit or whatever your um your schedule like whatever you're like used to, it kind of just carries out. And that's so those are some of the things that I really have uh carried over to my adulthood. Um not just for myself and my sisters too, like just being a planner. Everything don't always go at perfect. No, no, none of us are perfect, but we definitely try to try what helps me keep on stats is just keeping everything balanced and um, scheduled out. So that's what allowed me to kind of keep everything going. So do you go on every single one of these trips that peculiar uh, schedules? I do. I do. So, and that's, that's a lot, you know, because it's a, when you're dealing with these type of trips, you can plan for a trip a year in advance. But when it's time when everybody shows up, anything happens. So a flight mm-hmm. can be delayed. There can be an issue with the rooms. And you got to be able to think quick on your feet and provide a solution to whatever that guest complaint or issue is. So, and I will say being in this industry, it takes a special type of person because you have to have patience. You have to be able to not take things personally because you can have some guests that could be really just flat out nasty and rude, Mm -hmm. ignorant. And I still got to smile, you know, say thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for your feedback. Give me a second, you know, but on the other side, I'm like, want to say something else, you know, <laughs> but I got to keep the brand, you know, so, but next year I'm actually starting to really focus on delegating. Um, so I'm going to be hiring co-hosts for my um, trip experiences for next year. 
And basically, the co-hosts are going to be persons who actually attended a period travel trip. Because who better to pick someone who know what the vibe is, know what the expectations are, mm-hmm. and someone that I trust. You know, because this mm-hmm. is my baby. I just don't let anybody be a part. So if I trust you to be in that role, that says a lot. So that's going to allow me, free me up some time for me so I'm not handling everything. To get it to the point where I could just talk at the welcome dinner and at the farewell dinner and then the vibe is still going based off my co-hosts. You know, kind of like what these CEOs do. They only, you only see them at the big conferences. You don't <laughs> see them at every every breakout session and things like that. So that's what I'm working towards. And I'm, I, I tell, um, tell anybody, I'm trying to, trying to become the Chick-fil-A of travel company. So that's the kind of service I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to, trying to exude. And it's definitely, it's possible, you know, so. But right now, yeah, I do everything by myself. But next year and beyond, I'm going to have a team, man, that's going to help out carry this vision. That's crazy when you say you're trying to be the Chick-fil-A a travel company. I'm trying to be the Chick-fil-A of real estate companies. As you should, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, brother. <laughs> you got to be the Chick-fil-A of every industry. Yes. Yeah. And like trip, trip, Chick-fil-A is not perfect, but when it comes to that level of customer service. Oh, yeah. Bar none. Like, my mm-hmm. pleasure. Like, just attending. Oh, man. You want a refill? Yeah, you want to play. You know, so that's. So those that when I look at those type of companies, like any type of, there's a lot of other travel companies in my in in my in this in this field mm-hmm. that are doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and it inspires me. I'm not trying to copy nobody, and that's one thing too. I think that really is plaguing our just across the board is people are competing with each other instead of just helping each other. Mm. You know, so and I'm a very genuine person. Like I'll give you the shirt off my back, the last dollar of my bank account. But everybody, they just just not like that. Everybody's not built like individuals like us. And um, I think that if we had, it was more collaborating and less competition. Every industry will be thriving substantially. So, dang. So, what are some of these big ideas that you may have in your mind when it comes to collaborating versus competition? How are you going to rock this industry? So. One, continue to st- continue to curate experiences to places where not everybody go. Um, that's one thing that's really been giving us that brand recognition. Um, one, and then also in regards to collaborating, like that's kind of something that I'm kind of slow footing because I don't just want to collab with anybody. <laughs> yeah, you mm-hmm. know. And I think what's big too is like having discernment and knowing who to work with, who not, because. There are some people, and that's one thing, social media, I'm only on there because of my business, to be honest. Like, you know, there's a lot of things, I mean, to each his own, but it's a lot of people who aren't who they say they are. They don't have these million dollar businesses like they say they do. And I think it's very important that whenever you have a brand that you're showing your authentic self, like not just showing the wins, but also showing when things aren't going well as well. So collaborating, I'm... I will only collaborate with brands who I who kind of fall in line to the things that I do, um, and there's and to be honest, there's not a not a lot, you know that. So that's why I have I just did my first collaboration this past trip, mm-hmm. only because it was her name is Jonita. She's the CEO founder of the Joe Experience, and I actually met Jonita on a regular travel trip five years ago in Martinique, and she was hosting a group trip with a all girls trip, mm-hmm. and I met her. And I started to see the different things that she do. And I'm just like, wow, like she's like the female version of me when it comes to like trip experiences, like detail. So I told her, I said, whenever I do my first collaboration and to be with her and and we just did it. Successfully did a trip in Mexico. 
Like it was 11 of us. Like the experience was everything that I expected it to be and more. Mm. So connecting with like-minded people like her is definitely something that's going to continue to set us apart and continue to stand out. Um, and also too, just doing things that trap, like for example, my school's out trip, I do a school trap trip for educators. So school's out is a vacation experience for teachers, which was birthed on the pandemic. You don't really hear, you hear teachers traveling, but you never heard a curated trip for them solely. And I've been doing that for three years now. And like that, that one trip alone has got so much buzz, so much recognition. And I even see that having its own sub team, like schools out having its own team, home operations, because there's so many ways you can go. You could do schools out, uh, HBCU additional certified colleges, schools out, predominantly white schools, um, institutions or schools out, high school edition, middle school edition, upper bound. It's just so many ways you can go. So I'm personally, um, personally focusing Personally and professionally, taking more time on that, trying to kind of see what that baby could look like, because I know once I get that going, have its own operation, like that's really going to put Procurity Travel further on the map. So looking at the things that's, that's currently taking place in travel and then thinking of ways that's not happening in travel and kind of making it happen. So that's those are some of the things that's really going to continue to set us apart. And we've already seen the results now. Mm. You walk us through like some of the detail of maybe that Mexico trip that you collaborated on. Like what, like where did you guys go? What did you guys do? What made that trip special? And kind of what separates you guys from the competition, or what do you think makes you guys special? Yeah, absolutely. So, so this trip was called Map Ties. So if you are you guys familiar with like the tagline Mob Ties? Yeah. So it's called Map Ties because myself and the Joyce experience, we collab together on this on this trip effort. Map Ties is Map has started out in 2021. It's basically we journeyed through three of Mexico's most underrated cities. So the first map trip, we went to Maida, Alcamal, and Playa del Carmen. This go-round, we journeyed through Maida for the second time. We went to Mexico City and we also went to Grutas, which is a it's a it's like it's like hot springs built inside a cliff four hours from Mexico City. So one thing I specifically specifically chose those cities is because everybody, when they go to Mexico, they go to Cancun when they go to Tulum. And there's so many other beautiful cities in Mexico that a lot of us don't know about. So one, you know, locations was very important, picking cities that are considered best kept secrets underrated. Another thing that really made that particular trip special was everybody met for the first time at the beginning of the trip, which is December 1st, and everybody just connected within the first two hours of meeting each other. Uh, so just within that short period of time, the community was built. And also everybody was very protective of everybody too, you know, because mm. even though those cities are safe, you still have to have, you know, be cautious of the places you go. So I think the bonding that took place also, I think will also help too. We live together. So it's kind of like real world. So we all kind of live together. But I think the fact that we met each other, everybody took care of each other, and everybody was just a great group, you know, really, you know, made that a, a very memorable experience. And being in this industry, too, you're doing group trips with, like, people, strangers that you meet for the first time. You're taking a risk. Mm -hmm. like, you don't know. I don't do background checks. So, like, I don't know if this person <laughs> may, like, I don't know if this person may be a killer or you just never know, you know. But, again, I go back to discernment. Like, even though people are signed up for these trips... I'm 
checking out the Instagram page. I'm like, okay, I think really? that would be a good fit. Or because you have to have some type of so, screening, you know. Do you ever deny people then, or have you? Had I to? have not. De- this is not wood, but I have not had to deny anyone yet. But I think that's the big thing. Like taking. Thankfully, even though I'm taking that risk, it's been a good risk because I haven't had any issues with any group trip that I've done. And I think, like I said, the community that that was built within that short period of time and how people just kind of basically became strangers turned family after just meeting each other for five days was just something that I don't take for granted. And that's a gift because travel compatibility is very important. One person can mess up the entire trip, you know? Um, So thankfully... Travel compatibility has really been at 100% in a good way on peculiar travel trips. And I think that I'm hoping that that continues to remain throughout the exception of our of our existence. So, but definitely this is see how, how, how much, how quickly we bonded was a huge. And then not only that, we had like themed events. So we did like a walking mixer. Um, and then we did a, went out to a, like a, a lounge and we had such a good time at the lounge that the owners of the lounge extended the hours. So they supposed to close at 12. They kept it over to 2 a.m. just because the energy was good, you know. So those are the things that really was a great takeaway from that experience. I'm still trying to catch up from sleep from that trip because I was sleep deprived. Like it was one of those trips where we traveled like nonstop. So I'm still tired to this day. But <laughs> wow. it was well worth it, though, nonetheless. Man. So when you're flying... Do you recline your seat? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> it depends. Not every flight, but it depends. If I'm flying Spirit or Frontier, I can't recline. So, <laughs> but if I fly like Delta or American, you know, it really all depends. Do you know like the whole thing with that? How there's like a debate no. on like, like recliners versus non recliners? Like some people get really upset if you recline. Oh, I, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Especially if somebody that's kind of, you know. Yeah kind of on a on a bigger side and they need all the room they can get and then you just got this seat in your face so i, I can see that for sure <laughs> they can recline themselves and it'll be exactly equal space. Right. everyone has equal gonna, opportunity they, right they're going to find a, a reason to complain man it's just, it never fails <laughs> so what is like the worst i mean if you're allowed to share like the worst experience you've had with your with your trips Whew. man <laughs> Yo, you gotta do a customer service and everything so there is one, and I'm not going to share it because it's considered, I do like private group trips too. Oh, so okay. that's like one of my clients who just travel with just with their own group. So I won't talk about that one. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> how about, can I give a, per, a personal? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, personal. So I think my worst travel experience personally was back in 2010. And this was when I studied abroad. So I studied abroad. Um, to Spain, France, Switzerland, Greece, and Italy. And that actually will open Pandora's box to my passion for travel. So I was never forget we were leaving Barcelona, Spain to go to Paris. So how the trip, how the program was set up, there was weekend optional trips where if there was a city neighboring that particular country, you had option opportunity to go. So when we was in Paris, you had the option to go to either Amsterdam or London. So all of my classmates went to Amsterdam. At the time, I was like, why are everybody going to Amsterdam? I realized after a while why everybody went there. But I'm like, I'm not going to Amsterdam. I'm going to London. But we landed. When we got to France, I had like maybe 10 minutes to get to my train to go to London. Like it was very, very, the window was tight. And when I got there, literally dropped my bag off, trying to find to find trying to find a train station. I don't speak 
an ounce of French. So I ran into this French man, um, and he actually was African. There's a lot, there's a lot of Africans in France. Mm-hmm. And I forget, I was like, um, at least, I at least knew the bare minimum. So I say, Yalebu English. So that's, do you speak English? And his response was, no, I don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and I took offense to that because I'm, I'm panicking. At this point, I don't want to miss my, my train. I need some help. And I almost, kind of got into a defense mode, but I had to catch myself because I said, you know what? I am hundreds of thousands of miles away from home. I'm by myself. I don't want to end up. I want to make it out alive, you know? So nonetheless, thankfully, I ended up finding my, my um, I ended up finding my, the train station. But during that time, that left a bad taste in my mouth because I'm just like, why are these people so rude? And as I did some research, a lot of just French people in general don't really like Americans. So like there's a McDonald's there. So instead of throwing like their wrappers in the trash, they throw it in the street as a disrespect to us. So uh, Paris is definitely a place where not is my least favorite place. I don't have to go back ever again because I didn't like that experience and how. And I agree. Every place you go, everybody's not going to treat you nicely. But I think that was just just blatant disrespectful. Like I'm just trying to find a train station. The least you could do is just say, have some help. No, I don't speak English. You're speaking English to me? <laughs> Yo, it was crazy. So Disrespect. I definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. And I, so I would say that was probably by far my worst travel experience. Wow. An encounter, rather. Hmm. Dang. So do you travel much domestically or is everything international? It's a mix of both. So I will say this past summer alone, most of my travels um, personally were domestic. All of my work trips were international. So I love the States. I mean, there's a lot of wonders of the world right here in our backyard. You know, you have Utah, you have Antelope Canyon in Arizona, and then really dope cities too. LA, Chicago, of course, New York City. So I have no no discrimination of domestic travel at all. And how do you go about pricing your trips and what's like the range? What's the dollars on it? You got to put this on Yelp, you know? Okay. Yep. So I would say the the low end, on the low end, 1200 to 2900. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's excluding flight? Yes. So, so that excludes the flights. Yes. So does that include the hotel then? It does. So that the price that each registered um, pays, it covers their lodging, their um, their airport transfer, any events we have planned, meals, uh, ground transportation for our planned events. So try to make it as inclusive as um as as all inclusive as possible. And the only thing they really have to pay for is their flight. But mm. for the most part, once you arrive, everything's taken care of. How many nights generally on average? Four nights, four to five nights. So, for example, my map trip was five days, four nights. My Iceland trip is six days, five nights. So it depends on the trip. Hmm. What's your favorite place you've ever been to? Get that question all the time, man. It's it recently changed. So last September twenty twenty two, I went to Kenya as I shared earlier. I went to Nairobi, Kenya, and I did my very first safari. Like real, so it was like National Geographic, The Lion King in real life, and man, just really just blew me away. Uh, I had rented a well, I went through a company called Mufasa um, Safari Company. I had one of those um, on one of those what you call the vans that open up. So we were just myself and my driver. And we did two. We did two game days. So we drove um, to Masamari Reserve, which is six hours from Nairobi. Had our first game day that 
first day, and then the second day we had our second um, game day. Got a chance to see giraffes, um, cheetahs, elephants, lions up close and personal. And that was something that always been on my my travel list to go to a real safari. And like, it's one thing to see it on TV and in pictures, but it's a whole other perspective meaning when you see it in real life. And when I seen that, I said, this is by far my best travel experience. You know, again, seeing the things that God has created, like animals, like thousands of animals. Like it's just, man, blew me away. A lot of gratitude, a lot of just completely fascinated by that experience. And it really has encouraged me to, there's so many other people that have not had a safari experience. So mm-hmm. in the future, Peculiar Child will be doing a trip to the motherland to show people what I was able to experience last year. So hands down, Kenya is number one. Mm-hmm. The new number one. The new, the new number one. <laughs> have you learned that much in Asia or what's your experience in traveling to Asia? So I, so Good, good way to bring that up. So before Kenya, Thailand was my number one, um, ex- con- uh, number one best best um, country I visited, and it's crazy. I visited that during that time when I was dealing with my sickness, but still, still had a great time. Went to Bangkok, Pang, Phuket, and then Chiang Mai. Out of the three cities, I love Chiang Mai the most because it was more laid back, not as touristy. A lot of expats were there, so. And then the food was just like hella cheap, man. Like you can get like a um a um a rice bowl and a and a pineapple for like a dollar when you convert it to bots, like in like healthy, hearty food. So I couldn't drink, but the like that kind of food and that food didn't really bother the mm. pain that I was dealing with. So it just goes to show too, like the food here is not good for us. <laughs> here the food here in the United States is not good, man. And so that's why, you know, down the line, Lord willing, I wanna live I, I don't I no longer want to live here. Really? Yeah, I wow. do, no longer want to live in the USA. My only obligations is my family. Mm. You know, I don't have a family of my own yet, you know. So my plan is to move abroad wherever that is. But that's just really where I'm at now. After experience and seeing what life is like outside of here and how and like I said, no other places, no place is perfect. When you go to some of the other places, it's not you don't deal with the the hatred or the violence or the competition, you know, it's just like everybody's like living their life, having a good time at peace, happy, genuinely, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really just where I'm at in life, where I want to be a part of. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm I'm over the USA, you know, so I'm put that that goes on record. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your strategy? Like what? How do you think you're going to get to the place that you find yourself a compatible partner that's going to support you in this business venture of doing all these crazy things? But also, it's like you're living abroad, basically, you know, and building a family out there. What is? Have you thought about that much? I have, I have, and I think that the biggest thing too, who my mate is, like she has to be tailor made. Like I believe that God really has someone tailor made for me, and you know, of course, there. It's just one of those kind of moving, moving, moving on faith, you know, and you know, I think that's like I said, I think that's where. My family is, if it's his will, I think that it's not here, you know, like I've had my share of dating here and then have yeah. it, I'm 35 now and I have not found the one yet here. So I think at this point, I don't think they're here to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regards of like preparing for that move, like something I'm looking into, like getting into real estate, because of course I'm going to need some type of, you know, finances that come through regularly, you know, while I'm living for where I'm at. So mm-hmm. kind of set up shop. With that, just to, and also saving too. You know, most of the other places, if you go to like Mexico or Central America, like 
you can survive a thousand dollars a month if that, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so if I can at least have something to kind of a nice cushion and then have other passive incomes happening while still running my brand, like it's definitely doable. But I also think that if it's meant to be, God going to make it happen, you know, but I definitely have, you know, planned it out. Don't know when it's going to happen. Hopefully happen soon, but yeah. we'll see. God willing. God willing for sure. Yeah. So my last question, I guess would be what's your, like, what place are you most excited to travel to next? Josh with the questions. Let me see, man. I haven't <laughs> thought about that one. Uh, um, next year. So I want to respond with a question with the answer for my peculiar travel or personally talking to myself. I'll say personally, I do want to go back to Europe, but I want to go to the South of France. And I also want to go to the uh, Mafi Coast, Santorini as well, which is in Greece. So all of those island summer countries, I want to do that next year. The plan was to do that this month, but I did a little bit too much this summer. So I said, I need just to relax and just stay put as I kind of was sharing to us, to you guys earlier. But yeah, I definitely think going back to Europe next summer is definitely something I'm looking forward to just to have authentic spaghetti, mm. gelato. Um, I'm really big I'm on, on Italian food. So I will say, yeah, this is going back. And all those those countries I just mentioned, I have not been to yet. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Is there anything else you want to ask, Josh? Or? All right, cool, man. Well, we really appreciate you having, or we really appreciate having you on our show and we Love chatting with you about the different places that you traveled. And honestly, I'm feeling personally amped and jacked up. I got like ideas I want to spew to you after the show is over. It's like, bro, let's chat. (laughs) There's some ways in which we can collaborate. I'm like, this is dope, man. Absolutely. And it's like, I want to be part of some of these trips and meet some random people. I'm like, I feel like this is Josh. That's Josh's spot, you know? Yeah. And and one thing I love about my company too, like we're very diverse, you know, like some of these black owned travel companies. And like I said, I love being black, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm all about meeting new people too that mm-hmm. that don't look like me, you know? And like that's one, even though I'm a black owned company, I don't want my clientele to be just like me. And it's not. I have all walks of life that go. I have Asians, I have Caucasians, and they have the time of their lives. Like it's no judgment. Everybody have a great time. So we'll love to have you guys apart. Whatever, you know, it fits, you know, but like it's a good time for everybody. Yeah. You know, so can you tell us a little bit more about where could we find you where could we find your company hey shout yourself out absolutely so i'm looking at the camera now on this one whatever you want yeah Yeah. sound good so you can follow us on instagram at peculiar travel Uh, we're also on the web at www.peculiartravel.com that's p-e-c-u-l-i-a-r travel.com we're also on tiktok bear with us trying to we're trying to learn it so but we're on tiktok as well at peculiar travel um and my personal Instagram is future millionaire and that's P H U T U R E millionaire. Cause Lord willing, I will be one soon. That's awesome. Thanks a lot, Larry. Um, this has been the nine genius show signing off. Peace, Peace. guys. <laughs>